Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. I'm Frank Benali, and you're listening to In That Number. And then they lift one over the top for Danny Ings, Ings in the box, oh, on to his left foot, brilliant! Oh, it's a fantastic goal for Danny Ings! He's done it again! Here comes Ward Brown! Oh, it's Hello and thank you for listening to In That Number. I am your host, Ray Hunt. You can find me on Twitter at RayHunt84. My co-host, Kevin Milberton, at MoscowMush. You can follow the show at Number Podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and if you would like to drop us a line, send us an email to InThatNumberPodcast at gmail.com. On with the show. Joining us this week to discuss Saturday's trip to Anfield, we are delighted to welcome Saints writer Luke Osman, and we'll be pressing him for his thoughts over, the ne- over next week's fourth round replay against Spurs 2. We have, of course, ITN news to chew through and our usual Super 6 fantasy football. But first, my co-host, the one and only Moscow Mush, Kevin Milverton. Kevin, say hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> That was better than last week. Uh, how are you feeling? Because you were a little bit under the weather. It was a false alarm. Yeah, I didn't have the Chinese plague after I managed to shake it off. Um, nice. Feeling all right, yeah. I've only got myself to blame for how I feel today. I think um, I took that result yesterday a little bit too close to heart and um, overindulged a little bit, shall we well, say. Well, that's the only way to deal with it sometimes, so I don't uh, argue with you for that one. Um, but yeah, how's your week been? Very, very busy, yeah. Absolutely knackered, but um, yes, it's good to have a couple of days off. No, um, it's uh, Super Bowl tonight, isn't it? So I'm going to be um, staying, up, staying up for that one. And uh, yeah, but first we'll uh, we'll get this we'll get this one out of the way, shall we? <laughs> Should be a fun one to talk about. Yeah, we've got great company for getting through it. We do actually, yes. And let's let's bring him in now because we've been wanting to get him on for a while. So. Luke Osman, welcome. How are you? And a very warm welcome to In That Number. Well, thank you very much for having me on, gents. I'm doing okay. How are you both? Um, yeah, I suppose I was all right. No, even up to half-time yesterday, I was feeling good, feeling positive still. <laughs> We've still got to try, haven't we? Absolutely. It was a disappointing result, but pretty harsh on us. In all honesty, the first, the first half was first half was decent. We were competitive, and put it this way, I'd much rather we went to Liverpool, lost 4-0, playing our way and put 11 men behind the ball and lost 1-0. Absolutely, yeah, I t- totally agree with you there. Um, right, but first, before we get into the game, can you tell us about yourself and you know how you're involved with the club and what it is you, you write? Yeah, so I've supported Tanks all my life. I've been a season ticket holder for a few years now, and over the course of the past sort of four or five years, I've wrote regular articles on Southampton for a website called Read Southampton, part of the Fresh Press Media Read Network. 
uh, I write sort of semi-regular opinion pieces on the club just to sort of give my thoughts and put put my verdict out there. And very good they are too. Thank you very much. This is ITN in that number news. Okay, so ITN news, lots of news to chat through this week. So I'll start with yeah, okay, we'll start with with Kyle Walker Peters, the loan deal for a fullback that we desperately need. Um, with apparently no option to buy, but nevertheless, you know, he's going to hopefully do us a steady good job until the end of the season. Uh, Luke, what are your thoughts about this one? I think on paper it's a decent signing. It's it's not one that I'm overly excited about, necessarily. Perhaps I'd feel a little bit different if there was that option or even an obligation to buy him. But it seems clear to me that at this moment in time, he is very much a stopgap. Valerie's back in training, but when he returns, I don't think we know yet. Obviously, Cedric's now gone, so we... We're still sort of at square one. We still need a right back in the summer. But in, until then, Carl Walker-Peters will do. But I, I believe that, as as is the case with any player, let alone a young one, he's going to need a lot of time to adjust to the demands of Hazard Hoosel's system. Can't really expect miracles from a player who, as far as my calculations go, I think I read that he has played less than a 1,000 minutes of senior football. That's right. That's, yeah. that's, that's a really small sample size to judge a player on. But from what I've seen, he's a good young player, forward thinking, he makes good decisions, and he's quite decent at both ends of the pitch. So... It'll be interesting to see how he gets on, if he's an immediate upgrade on Cedric, and it's it's a tricky one because Ralph does require a lot of intensity at, you know, both ends of the pitch from his fullbacks. Do you, I mean, you say you weren't overly excited about it, but do you think partly because we will not get that option to buy him, or do you think there will be a chance that we can snap him up, or do you think that, you know, Daniel Levy's going to price us out of it? I think that's probably the intention for Spurs. I'd argue that it's a better deal for them than it is for us. I yeah, because I guess they can set his price based on performance and, and, and appearances and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day for them, if Cole Walker-Peters comes here, plays eight games and he flops, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be in a position where they can say, well, we can loan him out next season and hope for the best. Don't then have to cash in on him. Whereas if he has a really, really good second half of the season here, ultimately, then you've got a 22, 23-year-old English right-back who has Premier League experience and shown he can do it in different systems, then you're looking at 20, 25 million. Yes. And I think with the with the way that our club runs and the sell-to-buy kind of ethos that, sadly, Gal has implemented, I think that would price us out. So yeah. it's, a, it's a double-edged sword for us, really. I think we were discussing, I was discussing it with Freddie from the other inside, and he said, yeah, anything more than 15 million quid, and we just looked to youth. We just won't, yeah. won't dip our hands in for that one. Um, Kevin, transfer window. I'm sorry to say that it's shut now, so you can't do your uh, audacious rumours every week. Yeah, although we do have another kind of incoming uh, player who's coming from, from the youth team, uh, 17-year-old midfielder Ngal Gelo Chahuke. Um, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's um, yeah, apparently been impressive with the under-18s and... Uh, under 23, he signed his first professional contract until June 2022. I don't think we're going to see anything of him this season, but um, yeah, who knows? Um, maybe next season might yeah. be able to see him on the bench. Now. Possibly, possibly. So those are the ins. Now we should go with the outs. So we said goodbye to two Saints this week. We had yeah. Cedric obviously move to Arsenal on loan for the rest of the season. Um, and then the one that got me was the very popular... Maya Yoshida, he was moved to Sampdoria for the rest of the season. Guys, I mean, how are we feeling about this news? I mean, Cedric was expected, I suppose, but Maya really caught me off of guard. It was, it was quite, quite a sad one. Yeah, I was, I was gutted. To be honest, I was gutted to see him go. I understand that Ralph obviously wants to look towards the future. That is the plan, that's the philosophy. And maybe some people are going to see it as good business for a player whose contract does expire soon. But... I think only time's going to tell if, if it was worth the extra couple of million. If if Fedner or Stevens get an injury, Danzo's very raw and Vestergaard's proven that he's a liability, I'm afraid. Um, mm. But either way, I think I think I speak for most Saints fans when I say that I wish him all the very best. I'm, I'm sad that he's gone because he's been a part of an incredible journey. But his work, not just for the club and the city, but for the city and its community Absolutely. through initiatives like the Saints Foundation will always make him something of a cult hero here. Um, so yeah I'm disappointed he won't actually have a testimonial I, I was kind of hoping yeah. that mm. something like that would come about but 
he was a model pro, and I expect he'll be missed in the dressing room. Uh, but there, but, I mean, there, there might be an opportunity for him to come back. I mean, if he doesn't accept another contract at Sampdoria, you would like to think that if we were to offer him another one-year deal, he would take it. I, I mean, I, I don't expect it's going to happen, but maybe I'm just hanging on to something that is, you know, that, that is a possible still. Yeah, I, I think it would be it would be lovely. I think he's still a decent a decent backup defender. Not good enough to start nowadays, but a decent backup. Yeah. Absolutely, that's that's the word. Um, he's he's a six out of ten every week, and sometimes those players you do need them. But unfortunately, I think something like that won't happen just purely because I mean we've made four signings under Ralph Hasenhutl, and the oldest they've been been twenty three, and Mario Yoshida's thirty one now, and it's it's been clear that he's I think he's peaked. I think he's declining, and maybe a move to Italy is gonna gonna suit him well. And I think I think it, it could be a good move for him as a player. Yeah, and Kevin, Luke said about the uh, the fact that it could be good business for the Saints, you know, letting Cedric go and Yoshida go when their contracts are expiring. But I know how you feel about my Yoshida, Kev. You're like every other Saints fan, really. But what, what did you think about the Cedric news? Um, so, I mean, we, we kind of expected that. And yeah. I think um, Kyle Walker Pieces is part of that plan of um, Cedric moving out and, yeah, having an option with... Valerie question marks over him in the squad uh, does give us um, more than one option at right back but yeah with regards to Yoshida um, yeah so we were saying I've got kind of grown to love him and he's been in the team as long as we've been back in the Premier League and but to be honest when he was first playing I didn't really no. rate <laughs> him that much I mean he had a lot of mistakes in him didn't he mm. um, it was him and um, was it Jost Hoyfeld yeah um, pretty awful defensive pair <laughs> but um, he seems to have grown and matured and um, yeah I think we're going to miss him as Luke said uh, we do not have many options um, in central defence now and um, I think we're going to miss him in the squad I think he's going to be missed in the dressing room mm-hmm. for sure as one of those players that um, is looked up to in the squad and um, he's really increased our following in Japan um, he's a really big deal as uh, captain of the Japan side and yeah, in the city and the community um, all the work that he's done with the Saints Foundation and everything so yeah I think just like um, Stephen Davis this time last year we're losing a kind of club legend but I suppose if it is a loan deal so he's still officially our player so mm-hmm. maybe he could get success the moment. yeah um, am I right in thinking as well that his last game was that Leicester one? He uh, um, he, he came on he came on a couple of times, didn't he? And oh, okay. he, he started Good. he started against Huddersfield Huddersfield in the cup, so it wasn't perfect. He, I okay, guess you that's could, fine. You could say he didn't he didn't he didn't bow out without a clean sheet. That's good. No, I was just thinking that. It's just something that Pat yeah. went through my mind there. I thought maybe. Please tell me that wasn't his last game, was it? But no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> his last memory. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Kevin, any more players that we've uh, sent out? Yeah, um, Ken Ramsey, he's gone off to Shrewsbury Town on loan until the end of the season. He's gone off to so Liverpool in the next round of the Cup, yes. That's what I was going to say, he's got one Saints player who's got a chance of beating Liverpool. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, also um, Callum Splattery, as I've been <laughs> autocorrected in my notes. Um, <laughs> yeah, Callum Splattery, uh, he's gone off to join Dutch side uh, De Graaf's Cup. Oh, very very good, point. Kevin. Yeah. So you're going to get your Steve McLaren out there. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also um, heard rumours, sorry before, sorry to butt in, but um, that Kevin Danto's <laughs> loan could be terminated. Um, Luke, did you hear about that one? Yeah, I, I heard that there were rumours, but and it sounds as though there was, there was interest from clubs across Europe, but I think with the transfer window now closed and given that we've obviously, we've obviously let Yoshida go, I can't see us. Being being that rash, mm. I think we've we've made we make some peculiar decisions mm. with our players, <laughs> but but um, to say the very least. But I, I don't think we'll leave ourselves with just three centre backs with you know you know for the rest of the season, especially given that you know it was only a week or two ago that we were open to letting Vesta God go. Yeah. So I think I think Danzo will be here to stay until the end of the season. But I'd be very very surprised if we activated our option to sign him. Having said that, he's not really a centre back either, is he? Because <laughs> we've not played him there. So. Well, exactly. He's <laughs> he's been largely farmed out on on the right and on the left, and I do feel a bit sorry for him do, because yeah. it's it's not it's not his natural position, and he's played there by my recollection twice: Fulham 
away and City away, both in the Carabao Cup. Mm. And I actually think he was quite good in both games. Um, the City away one, he took a took a, a free header off of Aguero's head. He he looked reasonably comfortable. But I think the the partnership of Stevens and Bednarek has been very impressive in the past six or seven weeks. And if the break, don't fix it, kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Kevin? Yeah. Sorry. Another another minor out, and it's not Neil Shipperley this time. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Macclesfield, they've signed a uh, young midfielder, Harry Hamblin, on a free transfer. Okay. That runs up all the outs. Okay, um, and other news that uh, Jan Valery, as you mentioned, Luke, at the start, that he could be back. Well, he is back in training, so after his, well, his mysterious illness, as it were. But yeah, he's... Um, Hopefully should be back soon and he'll be competing with Kyle Walker-Peters, most probably. Um, another bit of news that you probably all know about as well is that we are, if we can get through that Spurs replay on Wednesday night, we will be at home again to Norwich. Similarities drawn from that 2003 Cup final run where we played Spurs and Norwich at home. So, yeah, it could be a spooky one, Kev. It's a big if, though, isn't it? It is a big if, yeah. <laughs> and last bit of news, I want to say that Jack Stevens has been nominated for the Premier League's Player of the Month for January. But, you know, that's, it's, that's brilliant. That's brilliant recognition that a Saints defender has been nominated in the Premier League. That's really, really, really good. Um, but more importantly, Kevin, was he nominated for the official In That Number Player of the Month? Well, uh, he was, in fact. Um, see, that's more Jack important. fucking Stevens, as we call him on here, and as he came up on the poll. Um, so I'll take him in reverse order. Our four nominees were Nathan Redmond, he got 6%, James Ward-Prowst, 16%, and then it's between Danny Ings and Jack fucking Stevens. And Jack fucking Stevens gets it with 49% oh, of the vote. I'm so glad, because mm. we've had Danny Ings has been our... Uh, player of the month for the last four months hasn't he so but Jack Stevens has been brilliant uh, since, since he's been back into the side so yeah well done somebody else gets the yeah. trophy it's good so yeah, we're nearly going to call it the Danny Ings trophy yeah, yeah. Um, um, goal of the month goal of the month yeah Danny Ings has only got one goal in this uh, month's goal of the month that was his effort against Spurs New Year's Day yeah um, so yeah, I'll take them also in reverse order. Uh, Jake Pokins, Wonder Strike against Huddersfield, 7% of the vote. Armstrong's against Palace, uh, 12%. And um, very close second was Danny Ings against Spurs, with 34% of the oh. vote. But Redmond's, Redmond's goal against Palace has got it. That is a shocker. How can that beat the Danny Ings goal? I mean, Luke, what, what was your thoughts on that one? Just brilliant goals, to be fair. All of them, all of them were just fantastic, fantastic technique. I think... I'd have probably given it to Redmond as well ah. for, for the the way he, the way he brings it down, the way he evades the challenges, shields the ball, and then unleashes a shot like that. I Sticks think it in the opposite corner that I was expecting was, as well. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it, it was those. I think those goals are the best when they take the keeper by surprise, and you, you hear the ball cannon out of the net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love them ones. Do you know really what? Though? I mean, the the Armstrong one I think was probably. I don't know. I mean, Kev, didn't you say? Didn't you think the Armstrong one was better than the Redmond goal? Yeah, yeah, on the day. I think individually any of those goals on a regular month you'd probably take it. Yeah, you say Vokins gets seven percent, that was a cracker. That was us, yeah. Just out of nowhere. Uh, oh well. But well done, Nathan Redmond. Hi, I'm Matt Letitier, and thank you for listening to In That Number. So on to the Liverpool game from yesterday. So the score says 4-0, but we were better than that. Um, goals from Ox, Henderson, and two from Salah. Um, I'm going to go through the starting eleven and tell me what you think about it, guys. Um, McCarthy, James Ward-Prowse at right-back, Stevens, Bednarek, Bertrand, Gineppo comes in, Hoiberg, Romeu, Redmond, Ings, Long. So the four changes from that Palace game. Obviously, Cedric's off to Arsenal. Romeu comes in as Prowse shifts to right-back. Gineppo is pretty much a straight swap for the injured Stuart Armstrong. And Danny Ng starts. Um, Luke, um, disappointed to see Prowsey back there, or did you feel it was the only option? Yeah, I think Hazenhoosel had his hands tied, if I'm honest. Um, if Kevin Danzo had perhaps performed a bit more reliably against Spurs, he'd have probably got his, got his place at right back. But I think in a game against Liverpool, where they play with such dynamism, where they stretch the pitch, I think you had to have a bit more of a calmer head. And I just think that Danzo seems so, so uncomfortable at mm. right-back that 
he had no choice. I think at least with Prowse on the right, you can you can count on his ability to know how to utilise space. He's a very very clever player. He's played on the right midfield. He's played sort of as a right sided central midfielder, and it's not a natural fit. He was always going to look a little bit out of sorts there, but I think it was probably the best option on the day because I think if, if Kevin Danzo had started at right back, probably through no fault of his own, it could have been an even uglier scoreline, and we might we might not have been in the game for as long as we were. Yeah, that was my worry as well. But I did actually think at one point, even on Saturday morning, that Valerie could be in just in time, and I thought that would be mm-hmm. that would be good. But Kev, what did you think about the starting eleven and indeed Prowse being back there? Yeah, I mean, I thought because um, well, we thought Carl Walker Peters um, coming straight in, throwing the deep end, but yeah, Hassan Hood made it clear in the press conference that that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, so made us with like <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, with Valerie in training, I thought, um, okay, we've you know got an option at right back there, but obviously he's not either up, not not up to match fitness or not up to the job. So, apparently, yeah, he's the best of uh, some not particularly ideal options. But then, yeah, that brings Romeo back into the squad, um, which is fine. Um, yeah, Gineppo, yeah, Gineppo I mean, yeah, I mean, I did think Buffal was going to get the nod just because of that goal, to be honest, um, against Spurs. But it doesn't matter. I mean, they're both pretty much like the impact player that you need. One on the bench would have been such a problem. Um, and I run through that bench. The so Gunn, Vestergaard, Adams, Buffal, Oberfemi, Smallbone and Danso. All right, Luke, um, we'll go into the, into the game. Um, how did you see the start of it for us leading up to that, that phantom back pass from Andy Robertson? Yeah, I think we, we, we kept our shape well. It, it can be very, very easy to kind of lose the game before it started when you come up against a team of such strong mentality and such strong reputation. Um, but I think that we, we looked pretty comfortable in the opening exchanges. I think that we, for, for large parts, we did match them and we, we started on the front foot. As I said, sort of at the start of the show, it's, it's better to play our way and lose convincingly than to than to turn in a tepid performance to, to roll over and to to sit deep. We, 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 we led from the front and as we do against any team and it's nice to know that we've got a set philosophy that doesn't necessarily change depending on the opposition we play. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you, Kev? I, I, thought we, I thought we were quite strong. I, I think it kind of smacked of, of those uh, two City games that we had after the Leicester. And we had a really kind of strong, disciplined back line. You could put a ruler down. And um, yeah, we seemed to be dealing with Liverpool quite proficiently, I thought. Yeah, some would argue that we had the best of chances as well in that first, you know, in the ongoings of the, of the match. Um, and then, as I say, that, that back pass from Andy Robertson that, that Alisson picks up. Uh, I mean, if that's unintentional, then what the fuck was he supposed to be doing? I mean, that was outrageous. Uh, you, you get those decisions at Anfield. I'm going to say it. <coughs> and they knew as well. I mean, Alisson looked embarrassed. Um, and then, you know... Say it again, Kevin Friend up to his usual tricks. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's it's no it's no surprise that Kevin Friend in a Liverpool game against Southampton has has done us over again. Mm-hmm. But what I would say as well is that the VAR for that match was Simon Hooper. If you cast your cast your mind mm-hmm. back to when we drew two think two two with Watford, yeah. Charlie Austin had a, yeah, a, a right absolutely right. fine goal disallowed. Shida was in an offside position or something, wasn't it? That one. Yeah. Yeah. And Simon Hooper for me is. And it's by quite a distance the worst referee in the Premier League. So he was in charge of VAR, which has been a farce in itself anyway this this season. And when you've got Kevin Friend, who appears to be easily swayed, mm. is what I would say. Um, Especially there. It, exactly, exactly. And I think that's a that's a recipe for disaster. And I think what I will say is to, to take a more unbiased approach is that Yes, he screwed us over. Liverpool should have had a stonewall penalty as well. It was just a terribly officiated game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we'll go into their their call as well. Um, we've we, I mean, we had a couple of efforts to say Gineppo was testing Allison from range. Um, so yeah, you brought up the penalty. I mean, to me, what Long was doing for Firmino is a penalty. He's got his arms draped all around him. I think they were around his neck at one point, weren't they? Um, but I don't think I don't think Firmino covered himself in glory with the way that he went down. 
I mean, do you think, Kev, do you think that maybe that was his undoing, or do you think, do you stand by the decision that, yeah, I think that that was a penalty? Yeah, I thought it was a penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's not a sort of rough and egregious takedown, but yeah, he does go down lightly. Maybe that went against him. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. I don't see how that wasn't given, but I mean, yeah, may, maybe I maybe Kevin Friend thought, you know, if I give a penalty there, then I'll really cop some abuse, pun intended. So yeah, maybe he just thought, let's balance out now, let's continue with the game, which obviously is not the right way to officiate a game, but maybe that's what he thought. Who knows what's going through his head? <laughs> not him. <laughs> um, but yeah, as Luke said, was well, we were creating the chances, we took it to them as well. We had like no fear and. It was nice to see because we weren't sitting back and letting them, you know, go for it. And Liverpool was sloppy at the back. I think Gomez gave an opportunity to Long twice, didn't he? I think he tried to clear it and then he, he headed it to nowhere. I don't know what he was doing. Um, and then seconds later, Gomez was caught with his pants down again and Ings robbed him. And then Alisson had to come to the rescue. So, yeah, I mean, you couldn't really ask for more aside from putting the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, I think there's a few missed opportunities. Um, yeah, that Jeanette Bow shot from distance. Um, I don't know what he was doing. Um, Ings was sort of calling out for it. He was ready to make the run, but Jeanette decided to fire on in. And then, yeah, long. He had to, yeah, two chances there. And, yeah, Van Dijk sort of heads it back to him. Um, but it's quite a tame, tame shot that gets, gets saved. And... Yeah, I think we had, we had all the chances in that first half. Um, yeah, we had ten shots, uh, four on target. Um, wow. So that to that, yeah, I mean, they also had four shots on target. So, I, mean, I think we were equal teams, but I think our chances were much better. Mm. And none of them involved a handball, either. <laughs> um, now then, Luke, the penalty shout, the other penalty shout... Um, what about this one? I mean, why was that one not given? I'm talking about the Ings one. Honestly, your guess is as good as mine. I I feel I feel like this season the rules change with every game that passes. Um, it's it's blatant, isn't it? Yeah. Fabinho sticks his leg out. He trips Ings. He impedes him, and you know a lot of other Premier League forwards would have made a, made more of a meal out of that. He tried to stay up. Um, yeah, he tries to stay up because he's in he's, he's confident. He's in good form. He's an honest player, and he wants to score goals against but, the whole club as well. So yeah, exactly. But um, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if this was the case. But on match of the day last night, they they did say that it was it was checked. They they did say that VAR did did assess whether or not that was a penalty, and they came to the conclusion that, that clearly it wasn't. But it kind of okay. it just reverts back to my old point about you know you've got Kevin Friend, a, a substandard referee, and then the man in charge of VAR substandard as well. So ultimately. It, <laughs> This, this you're going to you're going to be cost. You say yeah. I mean, Kevin Friend was right near right near the the, uh, the trip. So I mean, why I mean, he didn't give the penalty, did he? So VAR checked it. VAR are too afraid to go against the referee's decision. They will not do it. I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't have the stats on this, but it does seem like that if the referee does not give the on-field decision, and then VAR don't seem to want to overturn it. It's not yeah. that he didn't give the decision. Um, he straight away said no. And didn't even stop playing. But he was standing right there. I mean, how closer could you be? I don't know what he was looking at. But yeah, he saw it and decided that that wasn't wasn't a foul. So then, why did VAR need to look at it again then? So I don't. Because they're not going to overturn him anyway. So what's the point? It's just I don't know. Um, and of course, you know, you know what happens then? They went up the other end straight away and punished us. And yep. after battling so hard, and you know. Being more than more than equal to their efforts, we find ourselves one nil down harshly, and from then, you know, it, it started falling apart quicker than Jabba the Hutt's diet plan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I'll carry on. Luke, it, yeah, was it, it, it was it then of just like like hopelessness and the heads dropped and that was it. It's it's very difficult. I think that when you when you go one nil down in any game. In any Premier League game, it's it's always going to be an uphill battle. But we've we've shown we've shown in recent weeks that that we we do have the capacity to do it. We we went one 0 down against Leicester, came back and won two one. I just think mm-hmm. that the the way in which this Liverpool team carry themselves, you you just you can't beat them. You you just can't beat them. I don't know what it is. Mm. Um, is there something intangible about this Liverpool side that 
I don't think anyone can quite put their finger on. But they were pretty average in the first half. But then in the second half, they, you know, turned it up a gear and we ultimately couldn't match that. I think that our defending was sloppy, very sloppy in the, mm. it sort of, as time wore on. But that's what Liverpool do. They don't, they don't wear you down with incredible passes. They don't wear you down with incredible phases of play. They wear you down mentally. They tire you out. They know exactly how to go about winning games. And that's why they are one of the best teams I've ever seen. And it's why I've got no, you know, you never like to lose a, a game of Premier League football 4-0, but you kind of look at it and think, we went there, we gave it our all, we, we played our way, and on another day we go 1-0 up, and it's it's a different game. We, we just we just don't know, but I'm, yeah, I'm proud of the lads, though. You know, it's, it's, it's OK. Yeah, you can be proud after a 4-0 loss, but in that regards, yeah, because, like you say, they, they can just turn it on just like that, and I think Klopp needs a lot of... A lot of praise for what he's well, what he's done at half time. He must have done something or said something to them to change that up a little bit to make them come out there. But then again, as you say, Liverpool are playing with so much belief and confidence, they probably don't need that anyway. They can just go out there and say, "Well, let's not panic. You know, we're a great side. We know what we have to do." And I, yeah, I just think they're going to be so difficult to beat over two legs in a Champions League game as well. So, I mean, assuming that they are still going to be going for the FA Cup, then the treble is still on. But as you know. Under 23s look like they're going to start. Um, Kev, yeah. So anyway, as we said, it go we go two 0 down with that Henderson uh, goal, and that was it. Then we were never going to get back into it from there. Um, and then Salah. Th- this is an example of how clinical they are because that long, but it was just a long ball from Allison. Um, Henderson, you know, plays an amazing ball, it has to be said, and Salah, Salah yeah. finishes it off. But Bertrand, I thought, was pretty lazy there. There was no attempt to head the ball and there was no attempt to chase back, which goes back to my previous point. It was like you're 2-0 down, you're playing Liverpool at Anfield, you've got the ref against you, you've got the fans against you. You know, it's, it's just a case of, like, hopelessness. Yeah, I think you, you see sort of in slow motion when um, Bednarek stretches out to try and meet that ball from Henderson just doesn't quite get a toe to it and then it's, it's just over, isn't it? Mm. And of course, I think their customary 90th minute goal. That yeah. was a bit of a scramble, a bit of a mess. As Luke touched on, the defending was... Yeah, it just seemed to get worse as the game went on. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, beating Buffal there gets the ball to Salah and managed to pass it around the entire back line. And, yeah, it's just a, a, a one-two with Firmino there, square ball in, tap in at the, at the far post. And yeah, that's it. Yeah. I think we were just, you know, they tired us out by that point. I mean, they can always do just enough, can't they, to to see, see off a game. And yeah, yeah well, I think when that second goal went in, that was it. I mean, we were led like lambs to a kebab shop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, so that was it. It was 4 0. Um, but, you know, we must have been full of hope at half time. But yeah, very, very good effort. As the 4-0 did flatter them, we, we had the better chance, especially in the first half, causing their defence lots of problems. They're forcing the back passes. Um, Gomez looked injudicious at parts. Um, but in spite of that back pass and the penalty claim, uh, would it have changed the outcome of the game? Probably not. I don't think so. Um, lost, lost 2-1, probably. Yeah, maybe, or something. But Liverpool would have found the way yeah. to win, as you said. And they're, they're ruthless when they need to be. But mm. yeah, as I say, nevertheless, a very unfair scoreline. Um, but we take it, march on, and then we concentrate on getting on the fifth, getting to the fifth round of the cup before, obviously, we've got Burnley. But um, yeah, Luke, any final thoughts on this game? Just that, just that. There's no, there's no need to panic. Is what I would say. There's, there's no, there's yeah. no shame in losing to a team that's now picked up 100 points from a possible 102. That, frankly, is ludicrous. Yeah. Um, it's fine. It's absolutely okay. The, the, the next five games for us. Are all really, really winnable. Yep. I don't. I'm not going to say we're going to get 15 points because we know exactly what Saints are like. We'll probably end up with nine. <laughs> well, that might even be ambitious, knowing how knowing how we go about the winnable games. Yes. But but look, it's we're still, in my opinion, absolutely safe now. I think there are just too many teams below us that are worse, and it, it's time to stop looking over our shoulders. It's time to start looking up and looking forward. And I think that I think that we enter a good period now. Hopefully, the lads can can do well against Spurs and then have a nice break and be fresh and ready to go for the Burnley game. I like that. I like that optimism. Um, Kevin, before we put this game to bed, um, have you got any any stats? 
Um, I do have some stats, although I did want to say that um, I wasn't impressed with Gineppo at all, and I'd be very surprised if he started against Spurs in the cup. Just goes back to our previous point that we seem to make that whenever he starts, he just doesn't get involved enough. He comes off the bench, and we seem to have a match winner there. But yeah, I don't know. He's still got to be team He's still he's still young. Yeah, I suppose. But um, yeah, stats. So um, they had uh, 62% possession to our 38. Um, but they, in the first half, they had even more possession, 69% to our 31. Mm. Um, you expect that at Anfield, though, don't you? Yeah, yeah, t- totally, and that's what we do, you know, against the the bigger clubs, isn't it? But uh, shots, yeah, eight in the first half for Liverpool, uh, ten for us in the first half, but then kind of evened out. Sixteen shots to them and seventeen to us, and like I say, we both had four shots on target in the first half, and we didn't make any in the second, and Liverpool got another five. Hmm. Uh, yeah, corners. Well, they've had a lot of corners. Though. Eleven, think, you know, that it was, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, eleven in total. Six in the first half. But um, yeah, Liverpool didn't have any in the second half. So um, these are the kind of set piece situations that we could capitalise on, but we don't really seem to be doing much from them at all. Mm, if only we had a six foot eight centre back. <laughs> oh, if only, yeah. <laughs> Who could reach a ball? <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So, uh, Luke, man of the match for you. A bit of a tricky one, this. Yes, um, I agree. I think the, the collective performance in the first half impressed me, but I think in you know the second half we were outdone, so it's quite difficult to pick a one standout player. But I think I'd, I'd kind of be inclined to say Alex McCarthy. I think in the in the first half he made a couple of good saves. I don't really think any of the goals are his fault. Um, I just think for, for the lads who are solid in the first half, like you know Stevens and Bednarek, it, it all. It all fell apart in the second, mm. so it's it's a bit it's a bit tricky to kind of to say that. I think you know Shane Long worked hard up front. Danny Ings' decision making let him down, but on another day, you know his his mazy run in between the best defence in the world wins Saints a penalty at decisive time. It's it's fine margins, but I think I think I'll go with Alex McCarthy. Okay, well, I mean, I've written down. I I think Bednarek, as you said, had a really good first half, as did Jack Stevens, but. I think, yeah, as you said, that first half they did everything you expect them to do, mm-hmm. but we lost 4-0, so I don't think, as you said, I know Alex McCarthy's not at fault for any of those goals, but I don't think we can give it to a defender just simply because of that and the way that we fell apart in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was inclined to give it to Danny because I just felt like everything, every chance that we had or we're going to have, it would be you know him that does it. Um, and I, I like the fact that he, you know, Ralph took him off. Was it 70th minute? So, I mean, yeah, to me, that, yeah. yeah, to me that says that he's he's playing on Wednesday. Um, yeah, mm. I thought you know he should have had a penalty. Uh, but yeah, and I think Ralph actually it has to be said that I think Ralph is managing very well this year. And he's kept him injury free, but I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna give it to um give it to Danny Ings. Yeah, I'll also give it to Danny Ings. I think he kind of gets it by default really, um, for the effort he's put in. I think if we were going to get a goal, it would come from, from him. We were unfortunate not to get that penalty. And, yeah, I don't think there can be any qualms about his performance at all. OK, cool. OK, so we've, we've slipped to 11th now, still on 31 points. But as Luke said, the next few fixtures will well, we'll decide our fate this season. Um, it's critical that we take you know, as many as we possibly can here. So I'll just go through them quickly. As you know, we've got Spurs on Wednesday in the FA Cup. So hopefully we can progress to the fifth round where we will play at Norwich, which will be a nice nice home tie again. But as I said, in the league, we've got Burnley, uh, Villa at home, West Ham away, Newcastle at home and Norwich away. I mean, as Luke had said, you know, we've got to pick up some points there. That's some massive uh, games coming up there that we can take points on, Kev. Yeah, I think by the end of that we'll know whether we're still in that relegation struggle or not, or whether we can start looking further up the table. Mm. But yeah, I don't think oh, anyone but the most deluded Saints fans was expecting anything from this game. Um, we all know it's you know, those those kind of fixtures that are going to make or break our season. But I'm looking forward to. It. Yes, that should be a good one. Right. Okay. So we will turn our attention to Tottenham on Wednesday. Uh, Luke. What sort of game can we expect here, and what sort of lineups? I think it's going to be tight. I think you know Jose Mourinho pretty much has to go for the FA Cup. 
because Spurs have been awful in the Premier League and it's it's their only chance of winning a trophy. I can't envisage them getting to the Champions League final again. Mm-hmm. Um, but but equally, we're in a good position now. We're good. At, we're here, you know. I'd say we're pretty safe. Uh, fears of relegation are, you know, touch wood behind us. It'll be it'll be a cagey game. Mourinho's going to know how dangerous we are on the break. But I do. I wouldn't say I'm confident, but there's definitely a sense of quiet optimism. Uh, Ralph's coped quite well against Spurs in large parts for the, the three games we've come up against them this season. And with the backing of five and a half or you know five and a half thousand fans at the stadium, it could be a spe- it could be quite a special night. You know, it it, uh, it could be a really really entertaining game. And yeah, there's there's a there's a sense of hope. I think. Oh, that's good. Um, who, do you, who would you expect to be playing? Do you, do you expect Gunn to come in for McCarthy? I'd, I'd like to keep a settled side. Bearing, um, bearing in mind we've got a break now. We don't play next Saturday, so should he, just yeah. go, should he just go all out and play the team that played pretty much against Liverpool? I think it's going to be about striking a balance. I think Angus Gunn had a good game against Spurs in, in the first, mm. you know, in, in the first outing, but I'd be inclined to bring Alex McCarthy back in purely because this is a game I would love us to win and he is our number one. I'd, I'd persist with a back four of Prowse, Bednarek, Stevens and Bertrand if Valerie isn't ready to play. A midfield two of Hoiberg and Romeo picks itself if Prowse is, of course, at right back. Mm-hmm. I'd bring Buffal in for Gineppo. I think Gineppo's better off the bench, as, okay. you, you know, as, yeah. as you know. That was my next question, yeah. As you alluded to, and I'd, I'd keep Redmond out wide because I think he's important to the balance of our team. Up front, I'd make one change. Uh, I'd take Shane Long out and I'd bring my Obafemi in Ooh. because I think that I think Obafemi and Ings is our best partnership. I wrote a piece about that in in the uh, in the past week. I think that nice. Shane Long and Ings, Ings do work well, but I think that Michael Obafemi is a very 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 clever player, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. He makes very good passes, finds space really well, and I think Ings and Obafemi could be the way forward. I think there's a certain sense that of unknowing unknown about. Obafemi, especially when he's played in Premier League games, there's not a lot of teams that know an awful, awful lot about him. So mm. he, ha- he has got that pace and he has got that strength. So, yeah, maybe. I mean, I still want to see more of Shea Adams. Yeah, I, I would I'd like to see Shea, but I think that the reality is now, and it is a sad reality, that he's our fourth-choice striker. Mm. Um, Hasn't he always set his stall out with Long and Obafemi as the, the partners to Ings and you know, I don't think Adams has been particularly bad this season. He's, he's chipped in with a couple of assists, but I think that when Ings and Adams play together, they tend to make the same runs and they cover the same spaces, apart from the rare exception of that Leicester game where Adams dropped deep and made a fantastic ball through to Ings. Oh, yeah, we've not seen... Reason, yeah. That was a brilliant goal, but we've, yeah. not, we've not seen enough of that. We've not seen... I don't know. I just, I just think that with Ings, you need, you need a creative forward to get the best out of him and for me Long does that to an extent with selfless running and he makes he can draw defenders out of position but Michael Obafemi is is a clever player his vision is very very good and he he could be that that nice that nice player to complement Ings and to perhaps get them get the most out of him if you cast your mind back to the to the first game against Spurs Obafemi drew he, he, he drove two you know balls across the face of goal Ings nearly Mm, nearly yeah, capitalised yes. on, nearly scored, and I just I wonder if maybe there's there's a partnership to be had there. Possibly. Um, Kev, what do you think about the lineup? Do you agree with Luke, or would you do something different? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think uh, we're going to see a similar side that we fielded at home in the cup. But then it all, all depends whether um, Valerie's back as well, doesn't it? So uh, yeah, unless unless Valerie does miraculously get fit enough, then yeah, we'll, we'll see the same back line that we put out against Liverpool. Um, yeah. I'd, Probably favour Buffal over Gineppo and then yeah, Ings and Obafemi up front. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna go against your boyfriend Long. Um, it's, it's not that I'm against him, but um, it, it's clearly it's clear that uh, Ralph thinks that it's a successful strike pairing. It worked against them last time round, and yeah, Luke, Luke put it exactly right. He's the perfect kind of player to to match up with things. Okay, right. I'll go into predictions then, and I will ask Luke. You can go first. What's the score going to be? I'm going to go with an optimistic 2-1 win. I think no no scoreline will shock me, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Saints to win in normal time. 2-1, yeah. Nice. Very optimistic. I like it. Kevin, what about you? 
I'm not so optimistic. Um, I, I, I don't know why, but I've got a very bad feeling about this game, and I don't think we're going to win it. I think it's going to be tight, and Spurs are going to edge it 1-0. 1-0, mm, OK. No, I'm, I'm going to be the pessimist, as always. And it goes back to what Luke said as well, that the Spurs are... You know that they are only realistically going for this FA Cup, and I think they'll be going absolutely hammer and song for it. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think they're going to be too much, and I think two-one Spurs for the opposite to what Luke said. So two-one Spurs for me. Mm-hmm. Penalties at internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got a, a bit of a dilemma here. You've got a choice <laughs> of wearing a Pompey shirt every day for five years or sleeping in a haunted house for ten. I'd sleep in the haunted house. <laughs> but if I were to wear the Pompey shirt, I'd just wear a hoodie over it. Good. Uh-huh. Good. Okay. Very uh, straight out there with that one as well. Um, okay, would you rather be half the height of Kyle Walker-Peters or twice the height of Yannick Vestergaard? <laughs> uh, twice the height of Yannick Vestergaard. Yay. Which one's a bit taller anyway, so <laughs> why not? <laughs> I like it. I like it. And yeah, we do love a good fan chant here in that number. What's your favourite chant that's uh, tickled your funny bone at St Mary's of the last few seasons? Oh, we, we haven't we haven't had that many. I think since that thirteen fourteen season when all of our good players mm. went and our good chants went. Um, I've got to go with Danny Ings as the king of the scummers. I think. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> we do like that one. Luke, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been it's been great. You've been the perfect guest. No, thank you very much for having me, Jens. Enjoyed it. We would love to have you back on again sometime as well, so whenever you want to. Yeah. Of course, thank you. Excellent. Yeah, pleasure to all of us. It was great to chat to you. Yeah. Up the Saints. Yeah, up the Saints. Up the Saints. Okay, here we are with the Extra Time segment. Um, We'll start off as usual with the predictions. Now, we both went for a Liverpool win, obviously, but I went for a 3-1, you went for a 2-1, so two points each so the scores are now 49-37 to you Uh, Super 6 round 38 in the week was won by Ben Wyatt with 9 quite a low scoring week actually I didn't score no I think I scored 2 but yeah 9 for Ben Wyatt that was a pretty good score to be fair Um, which led the overall lead was Adam Darlington on 304 points and round 39 was yesterday's games, and that was won by Adrian Roche with 11 points, which now leaves the table with Tony Randall and Tom Hennigan joint on 310. So Adam Darlington was top on Tuesday night, and now he slipped to third. So yeah, Tony Randall and Tom Hennigan top, so well done to them. Uh, Kevin, we have to do the fantasy football again, don't we? We do, yeah. Can I just start with uh, last week's? Game week sure. 24, uh, just because I got I got 83 points. Last oh. uh, I just want to gloat about that slightly. Well done. Sort of fell in my favour. And Daddy Ali, Jackie Stevens, and uh, Alexander Arnold, my triple captain, all came out quite well for me. Uh, again, ridiculous number of points on the bench. <laughs> Another 15 points there on the bench, and that put me in our podcasters' league within two points of uh, the leader John Bailey, who I thought was absolutely unreachable. But then this week, um, he's pulled out at the back. He's captained Mo Salah and got 80 points. Oh, and wow! I I didn't. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, my team's... Yeah, would, you have been, would you have been happy if you did, though? Let's face it, would you? You know, you're taking points off of Saints' misery. Uh, I don't know. Yes, yeah, I've never had that big. <laughs> it is really, isn't it? Mm. Um, but, yeah, your 50 Shades of Che performed similarly. Um yeah, Bertrand's captain. Um, yeah, I don't know why that was because I never put him as captain. I think that I don't know. I mean, maybe I did it by mistake because I carefully selected mine, and it wasn't Bertrand. I don't know how that's happened. Is there a thing that does it automatically? I don't know because uh, clearly not me. Well, your vice captain normally takes it if uh, it gets subbed out for injury, or whatever. But yeah, maybe it was just a, a misclick. Yeah, I don't get that. But I mean, I, I selected the right goalkeeper for once. That was good. I, I put the, the 
the weaker goalie on the bench this week. I think Wan-Bissaka scored me nine points, Van Dyke scored me six, Chilwell scored me seven. So I don't think it was too bad. Yeah. I've still got Alderweireld just... to play and Sterling, who's my vice captain. Stupidly, but yeah. There we go. But yeah, in, our, in that number of podcasts. Uh, league this season um, at the top it's still Steve McCulloch in Rafferty Trust uh, he's yeah, now 51 points ahead at the top so um, no real chance for anybody else um, Jamie Thorpe and Lucy Heiner are tied on 1,456 points each so yeah heating up there and Dan Buck makes it into the top 10 with his absolutely fabulous Nice. Okay. Um, do you got a Russian phrase for me this week? I, I, I just say, uh-huh. do you got a Russian phrase? That's really good grammar, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I should give you an English phrase first, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, how, I was thinking about this, and I thought maybe we could say something like, um, he's no friend of ours. Okay. So, yeah, he's no friend of ours would be, on nam ne drug. Oh, my. On nam ne drug. On Nam Nidruk. Okay. Mm. Okay. On Nam Nidruk. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm your friend, Kevin. Kevin, friend. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you. I think that's about it this week, Kev. Um, But before we go, you know we like our predictions. Can I get your prediction for Super Bowl 54? Um, Yeah, I think the the steamers will get it in the the second (laughs) and third. um, They'll (laughs) win a. A, a score kick um, <laughs> in <that> overtime. <laughs> nice. Okay. But yeah, anyway, seriously, who's going to win? What's my choice? Uh, Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, the Chiefs. Chiefs have not won it since Super Bowl Four, just to let you know. And the 49ers have won five of them in the 80s. Yeah. So you're going to go with but, the Chiefs? But, yeah, they're going to make history by uh, having me look like I know something about American football. <laughs> now they've got a good chance, both of them have, but it's one of those Super Bowls that I can't really decide. I'm really unsure. I've got good cases for both of them winning it and losing it, but I don't know. But I want the 49ers to win, so I'll be cheering them on tonight. So, come on, you 49ers. Okay, Up the 49ers. Well, one, just, just, just one last thing, and I'm pretty sure you know what I'm going to say, with uh, a, a little break between the podcasts and our new signing I think Carl <laughs> Walker Peters how can you do a song about Walker Peters <laughs> well that's the challenge isn't it <laughs> oh okay yeah it's, it's definitely going to be difficult but uh, yeah have yourself listening out for what could yeah could work it into <laughs> god I'll let you do it yeah I'll just uh, sit back oh you do your best mate I'll try. Yeah. Right, okay, so on that note, up the 49ers. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.